Anyway, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful. We're always thankful. We say that we're thankful. We wake up thankful. And we realize that everything we have has come from you. You've taken us from where we're dead and given us life, eternal life. Brought, and and not, just, not just given us life. You've brought us into your family and, and made us co, co-heirs. And Lord, our response is just appreciation and thanks. And um, it truly is amazing grace. No wonder the Bible says who can fathom it, who can measure it. But we're thankful. Lord, Lord I ask as we listen to your word now, as, as I preach, I ask you to help me, help us all listen. May our hearts be open. Not only do we want it going into our ears, Lord, where we want it is into our hearts, into our minds so that we can, you know, change. But Lord, into our hearts and spirit, grace given to us today. Lord, we ask for that. And in the name of Christ, we rebuke, rebuke every evil scheme, any distraction over, this, over the word of the Lord. Let us rest today. Amen. Okay, so um, as you know, a few weeks ago we had Easter. So resurrection of um, Jesus Christ, uh, remembering that. And then, um, so it's the period in the church calendar between Resurrection Sunday and Pentecost. Uh, 50 days, that's where Pentecost comes from, um, just literally meaning 50 days or 50. And so the last two weeks, my brother David has been speaking about the gospel, the good news, and then being filled with the Holy Spirit in order to preach the good news, right? So if you remember last week, he was talking about the gospel being a burden. Do you remember? We went to Isaiah and... Uh, going through several prophecies of, and he referenced the King James Version so we could see it written up there, the burden to Moab. It was the message, the news. And then we were brought forward into the Gospels where Jesus said, come all you who are weary, um, you know, and then take my burden because, take my yoke, my burden is easy and light. And so when we come to Christ, it's a replacement of, he he takes our burdens, but then we're also supposed to take his burden, which is the gospel, the good news, the message. So that's where, so David said to me, you need to continue on this theme. And it's really hard to talk when someone else gives you a, um, the, you know, the, what to talk about. I, you know, you've got to somehow get, get into it. So anyway, I'll do my best. We're going to talk about waiting on the Holy Spirit um, for power. So, when Jesus rose, he then spent some time with the disciples, and then about 40 days later, he ascended into heaven, and he gave what we all know as the Great Commission, right? We're aware of this. It's in Matthew 28, and what he said was, go and make disciples of all nations. So that's where we get our, um, our message about the gospel or the good news, and and so we've been doing that ever since, going and making disciples. But what we need to do, you know, can you imagine, I mean, if it was me, right, and, you know, you've seen Jesus Christ resurrected, which is amazing, and then you see him reappear and help you catch lots of fish, which is amazing, and then you see him eat a meal and then walk through a wall, which is even more amazing, I just... Remember hearing another preacher reckons that when he walked through the wall, you'd see the fish sliding down. (laughs) 
I, I guess they got sanctified when they went in him. Um, you know, many amazing things. Anyway, you, you would have thought the disciples are now pumped, right? So they get given a commission. Okay, go and take the whole world on. Okay. So if you read Acts 1, you, you, I mean, Jesus did tell them to wait, but you read the first thing they do in Acts 1, is, which is what we all have done. They had an AGM, right? They had lost a disciple, so they need to reappoint the committee, right? So they have a discussion, and they reappoint another committee member, right? And then if it was me, I would be, um, I'd be going on to the next thing, you know, vision, SWAT, you know, what do we do well? Um, what is our unique selling proposition? Um, you probably can't read it, it's probably way too small. Do we suffer from cash flow problems or debt? You know, you'd be analyzing the mission and the business and coming up with some strategies, a few tactics. Um, but, but Jesus said, you know, because you're pumped up, you see, you see your Savior just resurrected and then ascended, you'd be, you'd be rearing to go, I reckon. But Jesus says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the gift my Father promised. And then later on in Acts 1.8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And so what he said was, yes, the Great Commission's on, discipleship's on, you know, talking to everyone is on, but wait. Just, just wait till you receive power, okay? Just, you know, hold your horses. So, waiting for the Holy Spirit. Why do we wait for the Holy Spirit? Because have you ever seen people who... I have myself. Have you ever seen people take on the Great Commission um, without, the whole, without waiting, without Holy Spirit, right? We've all seen this, where people are... Um, I mean, we have to admire people's dedication and enthusiasm, but there has to also be wisdom in this, right? Because, and God instructed us. He said, wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. So in John, Jesus said, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will, only he will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. And in John 12, Jesus said, I do not speak on my own. And in John 14, Jesus said, I do what my father tells me to do. So even Jesus Christ, when he was on earth, only did what he heard the father speaking and only did what he heard the Father doing. So if when it comes to us in sharing the gospel, we need to be the same. We need to let the Holy Spirit guide us into all truth, and we need to only say what we hear the Holy Spirit saying and only do what we hear him telling us to do. What we don't need to do is we don't want to fill out, to step out in our own power to fill, fulfill Christ's commission. Right, and we've all seen it. And so when we're being challenged with the good news and the burden and the yoke, we need to think. We need to be full of the Holy Spirit. We need to wait. And waiting shows that God is in control. And it needs a lot of trust as well. When have you, I mean I guess it's a stereotype, but sometimes when people aren't in control or they're anxious, they tend to get busy. 
like it's, it's like trying to solve the problem themselves and, and then there's a lot of busyness and a lot of effort, um, often to not much end, but they feel like if they're moving or doing something, they're working towards a solution, but it's not necessarily true. We have to wait for the Holy Spirit to lead us into truth. So, Jesus is our example for this. This is a um, picture of his baptism. I couldn't find any real pictures. So, um, <laughs> this is it, right? Maybe not so many people there, but there, it, it's an accurate representation of what happened. Um, and so when you think of waiting for the Holy Spirit, this is what you've got to think about, right? So, in Luke 3 and 4, we read about the baptism of Christ and then the temptation of Christ. So, in Luke 3, we read about Christ's baptism. And during baptism, Christ submitted to John, right? Submission is a massive key in this um, when we are thinking about waiting and receiving the Holy Spirit. So, Jesus submitted to John's baptism. And Luke 3 says that the Holy Spirit descended bodily onto him. So at the time of baptism, the Holy Spirit bodily, physically descended onto him, okay? And then in Luke 4, when he, when he, went, into the, when he went into the wilderness, the scripture says that he was full of the Holy Spirit. So at the end of Luke 3, the Holy Spirit descended on him. Start of Luke 4, he was full of the Holy Spirit and led into the wilderness for that period of seeking God in which he was tempted as well. It was a period of fasting and praying and waiting. And then Luke 4, after the temptations, it said he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you read that through, end of Luke 3 and Luke 4, Spirit descended on him and he was full of the Holy Spirit. By the end of the temptation, he had the power of the Holy Spirit. It was two different things written there, okay? So we need to remember that. So not only do we need to be full of the Holy Spirit, we actually have, have to have the power of the Holy Spirit. So, gospel, we need the Holy Spirit. We have to wait to get him. So when do we receive the Holy Spirit? Like heaps of different, um, there's heaps of different thoughts on this. But from doing some reading through a heap of scriptures, um, I think the New Testament is pretty clear when we receive the Holy Spirit. And I think, the new t uh, I think we receive the Holy Spirit when we believe in Jesus Christ. That is when we receive the Holy Spirit. Okay? Our hearts cannot change without the Spirit changing us. We can't be regenerated without the Holy Spirit in us. We are not self-regenerating people. Okay? The scripture is clear that we were dead. So not alive and unaware, as in alive with a thought in the back of our brain just coming up, ah, oh, I might regenerate myself. The scripture is very clear that we were dead. That means no active movement. And then the Spirit of God came in and regenerated us. Our old man. Amazing. So I've got some scripture here because I know different denominations preach different things. But for myself, I'm 100% sure that you have the Holy Spirit living you as soon as you believe in Christ. Absolutely. And the Holy Spirit is received upon salvation. And um, in every one of the letters in the New Testament, when the authors are writing, they are, the believers are spoken to as if they have the Holy Spirit. There, there's no, nothing in the scriptures that suggests anything different. Okay, so I don't personally believe there's an interval between salvation and receiving of the Holy Spirit. 
So this comes from Acts 2.38. Peter says, this is the um, Sermon on the Day of Pentecost. Pentecost. Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Boom. Believe and you'll have the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're going to just run through a few verses here just to get it really clear in your mind that you all have the Holy Spirit if you believe. Now, if you don't believe, you might not have him. But if you're a Christian and you believe, you have the Holy Spirit. Romans 5.5 says, Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into his hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 1 Corinthians 2.2 is, What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. In Galatians, Paul says, Did you receive the Holy Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? In Galatians 4, 6, he says, Because you are his sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts. Over and over and over again, the authors of those letters say you have the Holy Spirit or you received it at salvation. So anyone who calls on the name of, the God, calls on the name of Jesus Christ here in this room has the Holy Spirit in them. Okay, It's not something that you have to wait 15 years and pray for. Now, there we do need to seek him, so we'll, we'll come to that. But I met people who are not sure they have the Holy Spirit. I can assure you, if you believe in the name of Jesus Christ and are saved, the Holy Spirit is in you. Okay? Because salvation can't happen any other way. It doesn't happen through us. He's in us. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So the opposite is true. If the Holy Spirit isn't in you, you aren't a Christian. Jude says, worldly people, they're devoid of the Spirit. So the Bible says both things. If you believe in Christ, full of the Spirit. If you're worldly, you're devoid of the Spirit. In fact, Paul issues a challenge, a challenge to the people of Corinthians who are known as a worldly church. He said, don't you know that you are God's sanctuary and that the spirit of God lives in you? So he's talking to people who at the time, he's talking to them about immorality and doing different things and he's trying to wake them up. Don't you know the spirit of God lives in you? So you guys, don't you know the spirit of God lives in you? If you believe in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God is in you. You don't, you don't have to pray or ask. He's in you. So anyway, this is, I don't know if it's a concern for us, but it, it certainly brings us to think. What happens if the Holy Spirit is not evident in our lives? Are we devoid and therefore not saved? Or like... Anyway, Paul actually addresses that as well. He says, this is to the Corinthian church, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you're not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. So Paul in the Corinthian church is talking to people who are saved and therefore have the Holy Spirit, but have, but appear worldly. And um, he calls them infants. So 
if you are someone, if in our self-reflection you are someone who appears worldly, um, at least Paul recognises you're not unsaved, like Jude who says if you're devoid of the Spirit you're worldly. Paul at least just says, well, you're an infant. You're a baby. You're incapable. You know, babies, they're pretty, like, incapable, useless. Like, they just sit there, right? Generally take up everyone's time and energy. (laughs) Right? What else do babies do? (laughs) They grow, right? That's all that babies do is grow. They don't do anything else. And, And they learn and they grow. But if you're a baby who's not learning and growing, you're just then... Can, you know, consuming other people's time and energy, right? You're just, a baby who does not learn and grow is, about, is very, very unhealthy. So if you're a Christian who's devoid of the Spirit, 20 years in, you are a very unhealthy personality. You're taking up other people's time and attention and resources and basically just sitting there making a mess and, you know, screaming. I don't know what babies do. Just think about what babies do. And that's what Christians do who refuse to grow up. Okay, Corinthians was a prosperous city, Corinth, prosperous city, known for its immorality. And uh, had mixed cultures and mixed beliefs, probably a lot like, you know, we tend to have in our society at least, mixed cultures and mixed beliefs, a little bit of immorality. Yet Paul referred to the Corinthians, and right at the start, 1 Corinthians 1, 2, that they were sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. That's what he said of the Corinthians. Sanctified and called. So even though they were still babies and still having milk, they were still sanctified and they were called. And that's where every single Christian sits today. However you are in your level of maturity, you are sanctified and you are called and you have the Holy Spirit. Now if you act still worldly, you're an infant, but this is an encouragement to recognize the calling and grow. So I reckon a lot of us would feel like Corinthians, if not every day of our lives, at least some days of our lives. Believers in Jesus who God loves, you know, like you've been, it's like you've been baptized. Jesus, God says, this is my son. You know, the Holy Spirit is in us, regenerated, a new man. But we need to be led by the Spirit. We need to be full of the power of the Spirit like Christ after the temptation. Okay? So this is my challenge to you today. If we're going to be people who take on Christ's yoke of the gospel, then we just can't do it it in our own strength. Right? We can't do it like we are now, where we have... We're saved, we have the Holy Spirit, and we go out in our own merits because that tends to make a mess. We need to wait. We need to be full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So we're going to talk about that. How to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, it's very encouraging to know that Jesus said, if you know how to give give good gifts to your kids, how much more shall your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? This is great news, okay? I believe that you don't need to strive to be full of the Holy Spirit, okay? There's a lot of, um, well, I've seen it. 
a lot of things where people like, I don't think you need to push to be in, in terms of a, a your own strength thing. Like, I don't believe anything coming from Christ comes in our own strength. It all comes by receiving. Now, it doesn't mean we don't have to settle ourselves down and empty ourselves and wait, but that's, I don't think we have to strive for the Holy Spirit. So we don't have to, you know, get really anxious and pray and please come. Christ said that Heavenly Father wants to give the Holy Spirit to us more than we want to give gifts to our kids. And, you know, for, for those with kids, you'd do anything for them. You really would. Anyway, God the Father wants to do more than that in terms of giving the Holy Spirit. So the issue is not on his end of the line. Okay? You don't need to sit there pleading with him. Put it this way. If you're sitting there pleading for the Holy Spirit, the issue's on your end. Because God says he'll freely give him or give the Holy Spirit. So if there's no reception of the Holy Spirit, it's, it's not because God hasn't given. So maybe try a different course of action than the pleading. So, I think to me, to be full of the Holy Spirit, you've got to be, I'm not sure if this is a word, but you've got to be fillable. Okay? So there's no point going to God with a full of yourself type personality or life and pleading for the Holy Spirit. It just won't happen. Can you imagine going to a fuel station in your car? Like to me, you've got to have the desire to have the Holy Spirit, but you've also got to be fillable. Like there's two legs to that. So can you imagine thinking, I need fuel for my car. Great. And you drive to the fuel station. Leg one completed. I want the Holy Spirit. I want more fuel. Leg one done. But you get there and open the fuel, but it's full. Like you put the Holy Spirit nozzle in, but it's full. No more will go in. So you've got one leg of the clock. And then you could be saying to the service station, please, please give me fuel. And he's saying, well, it's full. No, please give me fuel. Well, it's full. And the nozzle's there ready to go, pouring out. But the fuel, the, if the car is full, no more fuel's going to go in. Right? It even clicks itself off. Right? Click. And you hold that thing, that's a click. Like, done. So that means... You can plead till you're blue in the face for the Holy Spirit, but if you're full already, no Holy Spirit. Because God wants to give. We've already established that through Scripture. We, well, we already know the Holy Spirit's inside you because you're a Christian. We know that. You just need to be full. So if the Holy Spirit is inside me, already there, and I've got a container in here, then the equation becomes... How much Holy Spirit do I need and how much me do I need? That's where it comes down to. And if you're full of you, then there's no point pleading. Like you can do all the things you want to do. It doesn't actually matter because it's out of God's hands. And as far as I'm aware, maybe God will change you in a miracle. But in the overall picture, I don't think God's in, in, the, uh, in the scheme of changing minds because he, he wouldn't have given you a free will if he was in that scheme. You're right? It's up to us to do that. It's our choice. He could have made robots. He didn't want that. He wanted free will, which means he's not in the habit of changing your heart. That's something we have to surrender. So, 
So either so when you're praying for the Holy Spirit, you either, your jar, your container, whatever. I know there's no container in you, but you get the idea. It's either full or it's got a lid stuck on so tight that you can't get it off because there are empty people as well. You know, there's heaps of different people. There's the people who are just full of life and full of energy. It's all within themselves. Like, if you look at them naturally, you'd say they have a great life. They're full, but they're, they're full of themselves, so no Holy Spirit will go in. But then you get empty people as well, you know. Not everyone's like, yeah, you get people who are empty, like they're empty, but they've got a lid stuck on so tight, you can't get anything in there. Nothing natural, nothing spiritual. It's just, they're just empty people. And that's sad too. And as Christians, we'll be one of those, um, unless you're the ones who are full of the Spirit. So the challenge today is how do we become full? So I have, I have three, a couple of ideas. Um, this is where it comes back to waiting, right? That's why the disciples didn't go straight out and say, we have these great ideas. They waited. Wait for the Holy Spirit to descend on them. So, first one to me is control. Right? Ephesians, uh, I'll get to Ephesians in a minute. Romans 8, 6 says, So letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So, the first thing in becoming more full of the Holy Spirit is all about control. Okay, and in Ephesians 5.8, Paul said, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, he didn't throw that allusion into wine just for a bit of fun. It was an, actually an illustration of how alcohol, well, to me, of how alcohol can affect some people if they become drunk, right? So if you're on the source and um, you manage to summon up a bit of liquid courage, what happens? You... You're con like you're sort of out of control, right? You're letting something else control you. You've seen people like this, right? They do all sorts of things. It's amazing what someone will do when they're um, you know, on the drink. And uh, they get, you know, it's amazing. So Paul's saying, I've seen people who are drunk do all sorts of outrageous stuff. I have too. I've been on like footy trips and you think, how is this even possible? Like, they're out of their minds. And... Uh, and yet, he's saying, that's the illustration he's brought. He said, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, when you think of being filled with the Holy Spirit, think of getting drunk, right? That you continue to take in so much of the Holy Spirit that you lose control. Okay, it's all about control. So, when, you're, when you th try to control your circumstances and control... Yeah, if you let your sinful nature control your mind, it leads to death. But if you let the Spirit control you, it leads to life and peace. So if a man is filled with anger, guess what? Anger controls his life. And if a man was filled with greed, then greed controls his life. If a man is filled with love, love controls his life. It influences everything he does. And so... When the Holy Spirit fills you, this is a great business term, he wants a controlling interest in your life. Have you ever heard of that term? Uh, you would have, like if you watch Dragon's Den or something. You know these, guys, these entrepreneurs who bring in their great business ideas and 
basically they're willing to sell anything but they won't go over 49%. No, I need controlling interest, right? And you'll see this often in business sales. I'll sell it but I'm keeping control. You can have 20%, you can have 40%, I'm keeping control. So when you come to have more of the Holy Spirit, he is requiring the controlling interest in your life. Okay? It's controlled by consent because he, it's not a forceful takeover. I think there's a business term for that too. I, anyway, I can't think of it. Where someone just comes in and just goes, dunk, that's mine. The Holy Spirit isn't like that. You need to offer it up, but he wants it. He wants a controlling interest in your life. So being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't mean I have more of the Spirit. It means that the Spirit has more of me. And guess what? Just like being drunk, I've never been drunk, confessions, but it doesn't happen all at once. If you've ever been drunk or seen someone get drunk, it's, it's like have a drink, have a drink, and you can just see them slide over the night, right? just getting worse and worse. So imagine being full of the Holy Spirit. It's a bit like that over a period of time. You know, it's just, I don't know if I'm allowed to use these illustrations, so I didn't run them past anyone. <laughs> but being filled with the Holy Spirit happens as you continually choose to live under his influence. Right? So you need to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And um, he wants a controlling influence, so you need to get past the point five and then keep on going, okay? But aim for the point five first. Give him a controlling influence. Okay, the next thing is... Um, I need to go back. To, I don't know what I call this one, but... Um, I didn't even write my notes in, sorry. Just give me a second, mate. This is all about being, um, per, the word I, um, like, co cooperating with him, right? Because humans like priorities and we like to-do lists. So when we say put God first, this is what we think, right? We say, okay, I'll put number one, God first, and I'll have my 10 minutes of praise and worship. And then I'll, um, you know, I might listen some. And then I'll go to work. That's important. Put that num number two, work. Number three, uh, better put the kids in there, right? And then down number five, we put Netflix, you know, watch that for an hour before bed. So these are our priorities. Like, so if we're putting God first, we make sure we do that in the morning. Like, but I don't think God works. That's a hu very human way of thinking about God, right? He, he, God doesn't actually want to be first on your list, right? He, he wants to be the center of everything. There's a difference there, right? So is God the center of your workplace? Is God the center of your Netflix viewing? That's what he means when he says put God first. Not number one on the list of things to do, tick it off and move on. He wants to be like this. This is being full of the wine of the Holy Spirit. Right, can you imagine you're in a nice white shirt 
and you have your own ideas of what you want and then the Holy Spirit starts to fill you. I can tell you that that's being permeated. Like you are never the same again. That shirt will never be the same again. And when you're full of the Holy Spirit, that's what it's like. It starts to ooze into every fibre of your being. And, well, this is what it should be like. I know we all struggle with this, but it, it should change you. He doesn't want to be first on the priority list. He wants to be in the middle of everything. Okay? So when you think of the Holy Spirit, just think of tipping. You know, we often refer to the Spirit as wine. You know, new wine, just tip it. Just can imagine just tipping on you, just going through all the fibres, Shirt wrecked, cha- changed, not wrecked, changed. No one, no wonder Jesus says no one likes the new garment. You know, the old garment was better. Yeah, it's because it wasn't stained. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit, every single fibre of your being, like that, changed. And the last one is cooperation. The Holy Spirit... So the thing, we need to let the Holy Spirit take control. So it's not pleading with Jesus for more of the Holy Spirit. It's actually releasing, submitting some of us. Just, you know, second one is not putting him first and then doing your own things, but trying to find in every single thing you do, trying to put Christ in the centre. Okay? And the third one is cooperation. And because we try to fix things ourselves and um, what tends to happen is um, when we try to, in this prophecy from Isaiah, this person saying, no, I'm going to flee on a horse. And the prophecy says, yeah, you'll flee. You'll say, you run swift horses and he just says, yeah, well, your pursuers will be swift. You can do what you like. You can run, they'll run faster. You can jump on a horse, they'll have faster horses. Okay, this is all about working in our own strength, in our own control. So, we end up fighting the Lord because we want to do things our own way. Anyway, Dad had a great illustration of the Holy Spirit that he used in Norman Road back in the mid 1800s? I don't know. I don't know. But some of you would have been there. I reckon about, I reckon about three of you. And um, I was there because I remember it so vividly. I wanted to do the illustration again, but I need someone who cooperated on the day. John, do you remember the illustration of the Holy Spirit? You would have been there. Um, Carolyn? Ah. Oh. Okay, Jacob, you're just going to have to be a willing participant. Come up here. You'll all have to remember this, so next century when we do the same illustration, those who are left around can appreciate it. Okay, pretend um, Jacob's the Holy Spirit, right? And I'm Philip, yep. And so when I have the Holy Spirit with me, if I am cooperating, I, um, I need to hang with him, right? So if Jacob wanders off, he leads me into temptation, right? I'm following But what happens if I get my own ideas? I start wondering, so what does the Holy Spirit do then? He follows, right? So the Holy Spirit's always with us. So, but then when I get my mind right, I think, oh no, I'm supposed to be the Holy Spirit. So then, okay. So that's 
That's how we need to have a relation, cooperation with the Holy Spirit, okay? You're good. So when we, when we do our own way, things often don't work because we're, fight, like we're fighting. But the Holy Spirit comes, but it's better when we're following him, okay? Does that make sense? Yeah. And I can't get in trouble for that illustration. <laughs> anyway, I am not an ornithologist. If, you, if anyone knows what, I reckon, uh, I reckon, who will know what an ornithologist is? Yeah, I, I was guessing one, Noel. Have you been cheating? Uh, anyway, I knew there'd be a few people who knew what an ornithologist is, but it's someone who at least, uh, st- I guess, studies birds, right? Is that right? So anyway, Birds have a couple of different ways of flying. I'm not saying this is the complete list in case they get stoned. But the most normal way we see a bird fly is flapping, right? So this is pure effort to counter gravity as far as I'm aware. You're just... Can you imagine a hummingbird just going... (laughs) Right? So imagine humans who haven't given a controlling interest as a hummingbird, right? You're, you're just going hell for leather, right? You're, right? Um, wings in constant motion, it keeps the bird in the air, um, but it's a fair bit of work, right? That's, that's, that's the old, I'll sort my own problems, I'll, I'll run, I'll run on horses, but their horses will be faster, right? So then a bird can also glide. Right, they can get height. You need height to glide. So this could be us if we're, you know, having a great day. You know, we're we've done our devotions. We've filling up some height, and then you can glide. You know, wings out. Um, you do have to build up a fair bit of height to glide, but it's a bit more graceful than flapping. Like, right, just. Um, the downsides of gliding is it doesn't last. Um, anything that glides loses height. Okay? Even planes glide, but a glider will come down eventually. Right? So, what you need to do if you're a bird, and unfortunately not all birds can do this. Some birds are physically incapable of doing this. Can you believe it? But if you're a bird, you need to soar. Okay? And there is a class of birds called soaring birds. So not all birds can soar. An eagle can soar. A kite can soar. Believe it or not, according to Wikipedia, even a pelican can soar. I need someone to confirm that. (laughs) Now, a soaring bird is capable of identifying currents, thermals, and an eagle can go to 10,000 feet. There's some birds can go over 30,000 feet. Not by flapping, not by gliding, but by soaring. And um, Isaiah 40, 31 says, Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Other versions say those who put their trust in the Lord, those who put their hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. But those who wait. So I'm going to back up David's challenge on spreading the gospel 
but we need the Holy Spirit. And leading up to Pentecost, we're still probably about just less than a month away to Pentecost, we need to be considering waiting. You know, taking time to basically empty ourselves. I can assure you that if you, if you have a problem with being filled in the Holy Spirit, it's not on God's side. Okay? You're either too full of yourself or your lid's on too tight. But either way, you need to sort that out. You, you need to, there, there needs repentance there, okay? Now, human beings sometimes, we're very, it's very difficult to see our own weakness. Because if we could see our own weakness, often we'd change it. The reason we are the way we are is we're blind. We often can't see our own shortcomings. It's why you need good relationships, okay? So you, you need to have good relationships with good people and when they spot that weakness and you take offence, you then need to get over your offence and come back. Everyone will get offended. That's a pretty standard things human beings do, standard behaviour. So um, it's how you respond to the offence that makes the difference. So... I would encourage you, leading up to Pentecost, that you try and wait and think about where can you make room for the Holy Spirit in your life. If you can't self-identify that, find, find someone else who, can, who you have a relationship. Like parents is a great one, uh, obviously pastors. Um, so we need to wait. We are full of the Holy Spirit. When you are saved, you're, you have the Holy Spirit. So don't doubt that. You have the Holy Spirit. You just need more of him. So you ask. Jesus said anyone who asks the Father is more than willing, just keen to pour out the Holy Spirit. But we need to empty ourselves. No point asking if you have a full tank. You can't receive anything. And then you need to let God take control. Because otherwise you'll be like a humming, like a yeah, hummingbird instead of an eagle. It'll be a lot of work and often fighting against the Holy Spirit, but you need to soar. Anyway, I'm going to invite Jacob up here. He's just going to play for a minute. And I just didn't want to um, talk about waiting and, you know, without giving people five minutes to, to wait, to pray. So I'm going um, to pray a prayer, but then we will sit in silent. We'll just sit while Jacob um, plays a song, and then we'll close the service. But um, a lot of these things are like ongoing through life. They're not, a, um, not an event as such, you know, We've all done this where we've gone to, you know, meetings where we feel like we've been changed, but then within three weeks you're back to who you are. Like, somehow this is an ongoing pursuit of Christ, not, not just an event. So, sure, pray here, but there has to be something changed to, to make this ongoing. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm thankful that the Spirit of the living God lives within me and within us. That when we believed... Your spirit came down and completely changed us, transformed us. You took us from this kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and that was a miracle. We're thankful for that.
Lord, what we really want, though, is we want to be full of your Holy Spirit. And we recognize today that that requires emptying of ourselves. So, gracious Father, please show us. Show us. Lord, we repent of being full of ourselves. But now show us how we can um, change our lives. Lord, we ask for your grace to help us with this. We, we thank you that you help. You, you say, if anyone lacks wisdom, ask. We ask today. Lord, we need wisdom. We need more of you. Lord, help us to become people who are controlled by you, completely permeated by you, who co cooperate with you. Lord, help us to give a controlling interest to you. We'll welcome you into our lives today. Amen.